Welcome to the Mad Writers Union. Speculative destruction, one episode at a time. I'm Jay Wolf. I'm Tim Berger. And I'm Nina Niskanen. And today, we're talking about characterization. Woo! Yes. Yay. <clears throat> uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So characters, oh, that's people, good, good uh, guys. people like to write <laughs> stories about characters. That's my understanding. Characters are kind yes. of like you usually have characters in a story. Usually. Usually. I mean, there's some, there's some stories that don't. There are stories in which there are no characters. Although I would like to note that, for example, in Withering Heights, the Moors are basically mm-hmm. like a character. Oh, yeah. To- onto themselves oh yeah setting and uh yeah milieu and stuff can always function as a character although although you know uh dracula and and such but we are getting we are way, off, way topic. Off, topic. off in the weeds yeah. hey good Tim. job on yes. not 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 getting we don't we don't woods. not 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 derail it just <laughs> it just doesn't it doesn't happen <laughs> <laughs> so so tim you want to read us the uh yeah. description of characterization that nina found Sure, I I would love to. So, uh, to answer the question, thank you. What is characterization? <laughs> characterization <laughs> is the concept. Oh God! Isn't this good? Why did you bring out the lounge singer? Because <laughs> I could. Oh my God! Bad kid. <laughs> Because I also knew that you guys would throw. All right, all right, all right. right. Oh my god, it's fine, it's fine. All right, all right, all right. Okay, characterization. uh, Characterization is the concept of creating characters for a narrative. Characters may be presented by means of description through their actions, speech, thoughts, and interactions. Interactions with other characters. We need to name that sleazy lounge singer. I think. Yeah, we do. So that we okay. can ban it's, him. It's, it's, it's so that it's we can ban him from the club. All onto himself. <laughs> so yeah. L- L- let me get this straight. Just to just to go off the weeds in a little bit. A Lundberg from <laughs> Office Space is okay. Uh, <laughs> Lundberg is, is Lundberg is also pretty freaky. I gotta say. But yeah. Let's talk about this for all a right, second right. right here because okay. this sure. is actually a great example of very literal characterization through voice. Oh, yeah. In just seconds, Tim has created someone that Nina and I are both physically (laughs) repelled by, purely through the tone of voice that he's using. Now, we can't put that exact tone of voice into a novel, but what we can do is describe people's reactions to his tone of voice. We can describe the type of things that he's doing with his voice. Is it gravelly? Is it monotone? Is it oily? You know, <laughs> there, there are a lot of things that we can do with that. Beyond that, then, of course, you can get into um, really all kinds of things. But, but I mean, it but doesn't take also, very much to establish a character. Also, also, my lab assistant is not happy <laughs> that he's having to listen to this. Outside yes. of the room. <laughs> Where it happened? <laughs> no, he does not want to be where in the room where it happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. dear. 
So I yeah, got, I, I got a feeling we're getting a lot in the weeds today. So go, it's okay. I'm sorry, you go know ahead. what? I'm, let's run with it. We have yeah, that why one. Not? And those weeds are kind of fun. <laughs> go, no, but go ahead, uh, Nina. Um, to get to get back to the lounge singer, uh, there are even though there are things that um, uh, belong naturally to the lounge singer voice, you can also um, implied voice through you mean imply the voice through the actual dialogue choices yes thank you yeah 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 Yeah, absolutely characterization comes from things like dialogue i think what you guys are also implying here too is, is that when i use lounge singer voice which again so sorry I, I think we need to name <laughs> sorry, him. Not really sorry, not sorry, in a way. <laughs> well, we can name him, but that's part of the characterization that we can get into later. But Absolutely. When, when I did that, if you are a visual writer, like a lot of visual writers, uh, you have a certain picture in your mind. And in fact, I think when I initially, before we started recording and I used the lounge singer voice, someone mentioned Richard Cheese. And that's, <laughs> the, you know, I'm, the lounge I'm, singer. I'm, and that, I'm, there's a I'm, view there. Yes. I'm going Go to ahead. name Tim's lounge singer voice Lionel Cheese. <laughs> Lionel His Cheese. His low rent cousin. <laughs> Please don't. I, I that oh. actually was not getting into my lounge singer voice, but um yeah, but he wasn't he was it. getting there, but he wasn't there yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well I wasn't quite there yet. But I, I I see what you're saying here about how it's uh just me doing that. You, you picture something. You picture the actions yeah. that that person yeah. is doing. You, you picture what they're wearing, how their hair is. Because, you know, a lounge singer voice has got his hair all slicked back. Uh, he's got probably, you know, a good five ounces of Brill Cream in there just um, all yeah, swept back. Tube, Tim. That's a whole tube. Well, you know, a lot. it requires a oh. lot. <laughs> it requires but, but a lot. one thing I want to point out really care like really... Um, really carefully here is that it's very easy to take those types of cues and create stereotypes so you have to Mm -hmm. be really cautious with that that you are still creating a person who has individuality who is not merely a bad impression of something that we don't necessarily understand or um something that isn't uh given any nuance or depth yeah. When mm-hmm. even when mm-hmm. you're creating someone who is clearly intended to be unlikable, looking at you, Lionel Cheese, <laughs> um, you have to be careful right. that when you're creating unlikable characters, that they still function as people, because if they're cardboard, the audience bounces off of that really, really hard. Now, <clears throat> the easiest way I have found for creating depth and stuff like that is by using symmetry and opposites so mirroring things that you're expecting to see but then also sometimes not even mirroring but actually doing the opposite of what you expect Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i can see that that's one of those things that's really vague and hard to hard to be specific about in this particular instance we can certainly pull up our character of the lounge singer and say you know okay what types of things do we expect this lounge singer to be based on his presentation and see uh, see if there are interesting ways to reverse it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And right. and then when you're doing that, you have different modes of expression for that. We have a, a list here that that Nina had come up with that I think is really good. Um, 
the um the the whole uh actions speech thoughts and interactions right the ways that 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 the interactions go i mean certainly you have the the base level outward presentation of the land singer but maybe maybe we get inside his head and we realize like man he really 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 just wants to get his car stereo fixed <laughs> yeah stuff like that i have found is like the most the easiest way to get get at somebody is to find something that's maybe like a little too specific <laughs> right sure really specific details especially when they're small and and you know they they still have motivations i mean now we know why he's singing because he's got to make that paycheck but um yeah and it's it it all comes back to the uh everyone is the um main character of their own story yeah. so for mm-hmm. lionel yeah. cheese the main thing is that he needs to get that paycheck and he will do anything to get it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well and the tips yeah <laughs> you, you realize this is this is probably going to lead into some sort of short story that somebody's going to write about Lionel Cheese. I do want to circle back and and uh, kind of talk about two things that you were talking about about making the characters relatable, uh, yes. especially when you're dealing with characters are essentially supposed to be unlikable. not base relatable. Yeah, two examples I thought of right away when when you started talking about that uh, were way back when in the uh, Heir to the Empire. Um, series which is after star wars admiral thrawn as the bad guy yes (laughs) Uh, Yes. the the bad guy who uses art to deconstruct his enemies was just that's that's a piece of characterization which is amazing um the other thing also art related i was just going along those same lines and i thought of the recent incarnation on the television show Daredevil, uh, Kingpin, and his relation to art, and how that, in a way, humanizes him. He's still yeah, a yeah. brutal now, I mean, person. I'm but... going to put that, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put that whole, like, caveat. Some people found some parts of that show incredibly problematic. Yes, yes. But yeah. I will say, I really liked the characterization of Kingpin in that show, especially... Mm-hmm. The art thing. Yeah. Especially when you find out why he loves that painting. Particular and it's just painting. Yes. Yeah. My throat. Yeah. But there's also there's also talking about that particular episode, there's also this entire scene where all he's doing is he's getting ready for his day. Yes. Yeah. And yep. oh wow. The baseline. Oh god. Yeah. I got chills and, and, just thinking about yeah. that. <laughs> and and the thing is this is just the guy getting dressed. But even so, the show managed to get and especially the actor because mm-hmm. Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio is, is incredible. Yes. Mhm. Yeah. So, so I mean yeah, those the, But yeah, they, that, that they scene managed, has gravity they managed, because Yes. It establishes something that that you didn't previously know, even though it's yeah. very mundane stuff on the surface. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. It's that mundane nature of that material that makes it interesting. So the thing about characterization is that it need, needs to be showing and not telling. Like we're not telling that 
kingpin is very meticulous about his wardrobe we see yeah we see these rows of pants uh no suits mm-hmm. three piece suits in in line and he chooses exactly one of them specifically one of them out of hundreds that look exactly the same well yep. not hundreds but well ten. It could the, be the interesting th- dozen, that, dozens, that, dozens, dozens. That particular scene, he ha- actually has several styles of suits, but he yeah. almost always, he, he from from what we see up in up until the point where there is a change later on, mm-hmm. uh, and the change is important because we've seen the what change the is important moment is. Yep, because that's also another character moment between him and his uh, lover or, or whatever. Um, but he picks the same suit every time. Yeah. Yep. It's the same thing. It, it's that that is the thing that he is wearing. Yes. Um. Yeah. Habits. Habits are yeah. a thing that make a character, and the reason they work great as a an easy cue is that habits are hard to break. We as yeah. humans yeah. build habits and we build usually not great habits. We build habits that are convenient. We build habits that are often self-destructive and would reveal a great deal of detail about us if everybody knew them. Yeah. Here's a fun fact uh, about that. And I'm, I'm going to see if I can look up the number. What you just said about habits actually reminds me of a book I read probably last year. It's an incredible book. I, I encourage everybody to read it. It's called The Power of Habit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, we talked about where, that in the Bulls episode. I, I, I yeah, think we, we did. did. Um, but what he said basically is that I think it was he said seventy percent of what all that we do mm-hmm. is habit related. Um, which is incredible if you think about it. Yep. And the reason why we yep. do habits is because it's it's easier for us. Well, it's yep. a simplification Simplified. of what we do. Exactly. Yeah. But we're getting off the yeah, topic we are, again. a little bit. Right. So one of the things I wanted to bring up is that we use the words show, don't tell there. And that's one of those things that I often find is frustrating or confusing information. When we say yeah. show, don't tell, and we're talking about writing, what it is is demonstrate, don't describe. And that goes back mm-hmm. to what Nina was saying, where you want to show what they're doing in terms of like, like demonstrating an action, demonstrating a habit, demonstrating emotions through mm-hmm. dialogue or other interactions or f- through processing an interaction internally, that is where we build um, that's where we build character. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. The only example yeah. I can think of is actually a conversation that Nina and I had a long time ago about uh a piece of my accidentally whoops novella. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wherein I, I used two of my characters habits uh, to show something that had changed. And, um, and that was uh, meaningful, but I'm having trouble figuring out a way to explain it that I could do in cliff notes. So, um, but but long story short, yeah, it was it was an interaction, and it was actually it was a it was a single character's reaction to something that could have been an interaction, I guess, for want of a better term. Yeah, it was a missed opportunity, and she saw the missed opportunity on the table 
more or less. And left it there. And left it there. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Uh, it was one of those things, and I, I had done it very deliberately, so the fact that she mentioned it made me feel very happy. <laughs> um, but it was it was a use of, of habit to demonstrate something about these characters. And um, Sure. Yeah. So, why should we care? Why, why work at doing this sort of... Because, like, for example, to go back to the daredevil thing mm -hmm. uh kingpin is by far not the actual protagonist and the episode that we're talking about made him more human more like a protagonist okay so there's a, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna raccoon a little tiny bit of this thing about about that and say that the best antagonists have the same level of development as a protagonist and if you were to flip him around he 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 would be a very compelling protagonist if your whole world is evil yeah. <laughs> but but more to the point one of the things i wanted to say about that too is when we are establishing characters and it really i mean any character protagonists in particular but really anyone that you want the reader to give a f about you you have to create a connection between the reader and that person just for your reader to be like, oh, this is another person. They have to have that recognition, that moment where they they feel human compassion for this other being. Um, and it's it's easier than it sounds by the way I'm describing it. This is why we yeah. spend a lot of time when we're talking about how to write, talking about establishing the stakes of a story and doing things like that. Because those are the things that, that help us to feel compassion for characters. Sure. I had a brief talk with Scott Lynch at viable paradise about this because i feel like he's kind of the king of a of um narrators who are not necessarily inherently good but that you oh, yeah. find yourself rooting for effortlessly um and so one of the things that we talked about was how when you establish stakes and competency for your characters establishing that they're really really accomplished or able in one thing and then placing them in a context where that ability is not going to do them any good to sure. get your reader inherently motivated to care for that character because, well, we know he's good at something, so he's got to be able to figure out a way out of this. <laughs> Even when there's some things about that character that are like, ooh, I, I don't know if I want to root for this guy, you still kind of end up rooting for them because there's enough thread there that you that you want to keep pulling on it. Now that you brought up Scott Lynch, mm -hmm. there's also the fact that he really differentiates all his characters yes. like there are in the main cast of the first book there are five criminal boys and two of them are twins mm -hmm. they are still entirely different people <laughs> so the to bring it back to why should you care this is part of why. So you don't want to populate your book or story with people who are exactly the same. Yes. It's it's a way to create conflict, but also it's cre a way to fairly easily create a world that seems to breathe. Right. Like if you have different, very different people, not just, you know, age, race, sex, and so on, but 
people who are markedly different from each other, mm-hmm. then the world around them seems to be more alive, even though you may not have added details to the world. Right. You know, one thing that that you guys, when hearing you guys talk, maybe think about, you know, the best characters that, that, that I have read, the ones that I enjoy the most, in a way, they're almost defined by their flaws, the things that they struggle with and the things that they have to overcome. Because that gives them, of course, that gives them a character arc, right? I, I think there is a danger, though, because there, there's sometimes, you know, like we talk about establishing a an unlikable character, right? Sometimes I, I think we take the, the shortcut of trying to just give that person something nice, you know, uh, a good quality, as if that is the shortcut to make them more humanizing, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's actually a, a great way to put it. it yeah, it's got to make sense in, in, in the sense of, of how they fit in their own world. Right. And that's actually a good a good point as well, is that setting actually does a great deal to describe character without in, even necessarily doing it intentionally, although doing it intentionally makes the work a lot more uniform and cohesive, mm-hmm. um, is that the context in which you place your characters is going to greatly define how they interact. For example, I've... <laughs> I read a lot of space opera. People are on ships. <laughs> Ship cultures between different ships, very different. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so how do you get better at this thing? Practice. <laughs> um, I find and, that and dialogue is my is my dialogue is probably my my gimme, according to Stephen Bruce. Is, yes, is the thing that I do. Um, internal and external. Monologue and dialogue, I think both uh, are great exercises for this. There's also <clears throat> um, Mary Robinette Kowal. Ding. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> she, she does this uh, exercise with all her students. For us, she uh, did it as a pre-course homework so that we needed to sit in a room that we knew beforehand, prefer- preferably. And... Um, just describe the room for 30 minutes because at some point you're going to run out of all the uh, gimmies and start describing other stuff. So after you've written this, it's probably going to be closer to something like 500 words. So after you've written this piece of description from your own point of view, you're going to think about the space again from the point of view of for example, a child or a dog that hasn't been let out of the podcasting room <laughs> in quite a while or or a fireman or whatever. So so you do this three different times and mm-hmm. it's like five minutes on the uh, three three shorter pieces instead of the 30 minutes for the first one. Yeah. And you can't state in your description who the person is or creature is who's describing the room. But it needs to come out to someone reading it that that's who it is. Yeah. And that uh, I did. We did the same exercise when I took uh, Mary's course as well. The, the interesting thing about it, when we were doing it as ourselves, when we were just looking at the room. Almost everybody, and she, Mary had said that this is, happens almost all the time, is that the first thing you recognize is your desk or your keyboard 
or the pen that you're yep. holding or something like that. The objects you're <laughs> interacting with. It was the 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 things that you identify as a writer. So getting back to Mary's exercise, uh, the yeah. the the bit there that really helps is being is um, focus. You know, what does the character focus on? What is important to that character? What about the character drives what they notice in a room? And, and, and those are the revealing things about that particular exercise, which yeah. I actually should be doing more. Um, I should actually just be doing that exercise yeah, on a regular I, basis. I should be doing that <laughs> exercise for like the opposite reason. Yeah. Um, but yes. Well, what opposite reason? Do tell. <laughs> uh, I <laughs> I have white white room syndrome to the point where it's more like void of space syndrome. Oh right, right. Yeah. So I, I get that. Yeah, anyway. but see, once you're you you start editing your your thing, you can do the exercise and use it at, in your prose. Yeah. We're good. Do we need to summarize? Um, I don't know that there's an easy summary for this one. I think. Yeah, we, I agree. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we covered a lot of bases. Maybe um in summary, uh characterization is not merely any one aspect of the character. Really well-rounded characters, you're going to spend a lot of time on multiple aspects of that character, even if those aspects don't necessarily make it onto the page. Your reader needs to kind of believe that that character is a person when they're not on the page, and that's the whole point of this. Also, the characters need to be we should have mentioned this earlier but the characters (laughs) need to be consistent yeah like like if you've to a point yeah to a point of course people do stuff that is out of character but if your entire plot hinges on a character doing something that is entirely out of character don't do that yeah that's a problem that's a problem So, Tim, yes. have you read any good books lately? I have, but I'm actually not going to. I'm not going to do a book this week. I'm actually going to do. <gasps> yes, I know. <gasps> I'm going to do a magazine. No, I'm oh. going to do a magazine. Ooh. Okay. So, uh, you can live. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to go with the most recent September October uh, um, magazine of fantasy and science fiction. Um, who they had a special, a special uh, David Gerald episode or magazine edition, and uh, it's really good. There's some really good stories in there. There's a short story in there by uh, Sarah Pinsker. There's another one uh, by Peter S. Beagle. Um, people three. Know him. What's that? I said people know him. Yes, <laughs> couple people. You might have heard of him. Uh, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. Uh, not anybody's literary hero or anything two two (laughs) stories (laughs) yeah two stories in there by david two stories in there by david gerald um and also uh an essay uh of course uh, david gerald is a longtime icon uh, of the science fiction scene basically he is a uh, long he's the creator of tribbles yes trouble trouble with tribbles trouble with tribbles which i believe he wrote at the 
tender age of 22. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the response just... But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, so it, it's a really, it's a really nice episode, uh, or, uh, edition of this. There is also a tribute in there written by, uh, to, uh, David Gerald by Christine Catherine Rush, um, several other short stories that I have not quite gotten yet into yet. So yeah, it's, it's, I'm really enjoying this. This is a, this is a good, um, episode. I actually bought it in the bookstore. So there. Nice. So you actually have yeah. a paper copy? I have a paper copy of this. So Nice. Yeah. I love the paper editions of fantasy and science fiction, I gotta be honest. Yeah. It's, yeah. Nothing quite like the tactile feel of a magazine in your hand. So. Oh, so anyway, Jay, mm-hmm. what have you been reading lately? Hi. Uh, Hi. It is, yeah, <laughs> Hi. Slush season. It is still slush season. We're still the in Hugo Award winning. <laughs> it is still going to be slush season at the Hugo Award winning World Fantasy nominated Uncanny Magazine until uh, we're. I think the doors close on, on October first, but the reality is that slush is going to last much much longer than that. Uh, I'm right. at 160, I think, red at this point, so I'm a little loopy. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> uh, anyways, so um, when I'm not reading that or uh, Alpha reading novels for one, two, three, four of my friends right now, uh, <laughs> I have to go to things that are <laughs> the most comforty of comfort foods. And so today I am holding in my, my hot little hands my copy of Chad Williams's Dragon Bone Chair, Aww. which is, in my opinion... The Ur uh, Arthurian style fantasy in terms of um, just wonderful raw characterization, beautiful setting, very Euro, but has a lot of uh, elements of other things stuck in it as well. Uh, Simon is my absolute favorite, but we already knew that because he's a ginger. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, anyways, yes. So very obvious farm boy becomes boy king. Uh lovely saga that is the uh Memory Sorrow and Thorn series. But yes, so I loaned this book out to one of my friends uh, about a year ago and um it came back to me and then I had to read it again. <laughs> Anyways. Um Yes. So Tad Williams, the Dragon Bone Chair, the first of the Memory Sorrow and Thorn series. All of which are awesome. entirely worth reading, even though they're like a thousand pages long each. Awesome. So, Nina, what have you been reading? I've been reading podcasts. <laughs> they count. <laughs> they got words in them. No, 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 no. So, I'm going to go back and recommend um, Mara Grant's book, Feed. Uh, no. Oh. I, uh... Feed? No, not Feed. The, is it you're talking about the compilation one? Yes. Yee, I can't remember rise, what it's called either. Rise. Rise. Rise, which is set in the Museflesh trilogy universe for which the first book is feed. Anyway, Rise is a compilation of short stories set in a universe where there are zombies. Uh, 
before the time of the rising. And it shares the stories of various individuals, some of whom we have met during the Newsflash trilogy. And there is also a zombie outbreak at San Diego Comic-Con. And if, if, <laughs> that, if that doesn't make you want to wow. read this book, then I don't know what you are doing with your life. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> the brown coats <clears throat> save the day. Well, no, because it's... That's awesome. Yes! That's awesome. I actually haven't, despite the... Uh... Despite the uh, the fever for this particular author that has swept my uh, my household, uh, <laughs> I haven't read uh, I haven't read those yet, but um, I have suddenly been tempted. This has been the Mad Writers Union. Now let's get to work. Our intro music is Cephalopod, and our interlude music is Exotics, both by Kevin McLeod at IncomeTech.com, licensed under a Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. You know, I thought about doing a different voice for this, but nah, I'll save it for a special occasion. What did you think? You can reach us at our website, MadWritersUnion.com. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash the Mad Writers Union. You can tweet to us at our handle at Mad Writers Union. And last but not least, you can email us at madwritersunion at gmail.com. If you enjoy our podcast and want to help spread the word, please leave a review at iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast repository. And remember that your voice is your key to adventure! Sorry, I couldn't help myself. You know what? If we get Lionel Chase yeah. fanfic, <laughs> I will read it on the podcast. That yes. would be awesome. I will, awesome. no holds barred, I will read it. There is no rating limit. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all have been warned. It'll be a Patreon extra. How's that? Oh, oh my yeah. God. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. But we'll let, do a let, full, let, full cast <laughs> reading of Lionel Lionel Cheese fanfic. <laughs> I'll read it and I'll do an impression of Tim's voice. Sure, that would go well. Tell tell you what, let's we can all let's do, we'll, all do. We'll up the game if if full, somebody if somebody wants to do recording. that. If somebody wants to do that, write something in Lionel Cheese. Maybe I'll read it as a, if it's in first person, I will read it as in my Lionel Cheese voice. That's even better. I will not listen to that. I will fully support you doing it. Okay. Anyway, I, I do, to get back I do want to circle topic, back. See how I'm doing this all professionally. Yeah, that's like, really good. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> My world domination will begin shortly. Right. Uh, anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>